listening to the Fantasy Brew Review. And now your host, Caleb Ivy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in to episode number two of the Fantasy Brew Review. I am your host, Caleb Ivy. Thank you so much for joining in. I'm going to keep this intro a tad bit shorter than last week, but just to give you a little bit of a lay of the land, we start off each episode with a beer or coffee review. We give you fantasy advice to help you win your league, and then we slide right in to an old-time radio show about a time-traveling scientist on an epic quest to build the perfect fantasy lineup. So, if you're into that sort of thing, hang around after the fantasy portion of this show to hear a preview of the old-time radio show that will start along with the NFL season. And if you're really super curious about how this show works, go back and listen to episode one where I had a little bit longer intro, a little bit more explaining, all that sort of jazz. All of that content should have the same level of accuracy as it did last week, so you can take that for what you will. Alright, I promised a shorter intro, so on with the show! Last week, we reviewed an ice-cold beer. So this week, things are going to get a little bit steamier. We're kicking off this week with our first ever coffee review. And the coffee that I chose, which I'm afraid I'm going to butcher, is Kona, Kona, Kona. And that's the only difficult part. Kona Coffee Coconut Caramel Crunch or caramel crunch, however you say the caramel caramel word. And, man, I really enjoyed this coffee. Now, but I want to go on a bit of a coffee tangent first. I love a good flavored coffee. However, much like beer, there are some kinds of coffee where it's great and you love it, but you kind of max out after a few cups or you can't really drink it two days in a row. So what I usually do is I save my flavored coffees for the weekends when I can really sit and enjoy it. And not saying I don't love them just as much, or even more in some cases, but I just can't drink them every day. And I say all of that to say, that is not this coffee. This coffee is flavorful, but not so much that you get sick of it, or it's too sweet, or anything like that. Full disclosure, I actually did spend a few weeks drinking this coffee before the review, and it was a very enjoyable few weeks. That being said, I wouldn't say it meets my special flavored coffee on the weekend standard. It's more of a a longevity coffee, we'll call it. I'm going to give it a 7.8 on the very official Fantasy Brew Review coffee scale. That feels appropriate. If you guys have any coffee or beer that you'd like me to review, you can let me know on Twitter, at the FF Brew Review. Review spelled R-E-V-U-E, just to complicate things. Or better yet, maybe you're listening to this show in your fancy three-piece suit, and you're the CEO of some dope coffee place or brewery that makes some really great beer. You're more than welcome to send me some, and I'll review it. 
you get some free advertisement, and I don't have to go broke buying beer and coffee for this podcast. It's a win-win. But enough brewing. Let's get to footballing. And coming up next, for your listening pleasure, the new sports craze that is sweeping the nation, American football. All right, in week number two, we are going to continue our little series that we have going about ADPs that I think are a bit wonky. Last week was running backs, so naturally, let's talk about a few receivers. And the first guy on my list is Mike Evans. Yes, the reigning Super Bowl champion on the great offense who has never ever had under a thousand yards in his entire illustrious career. I'm fully aware of how foolish that sounds out loud. But Fantasy Pro's ADP has Evans going as the 13th receiver off the board, and I have him at wide receiver 16. And no, that's not any sort of huge discrepancy, but it's enough that I almost never leave a draft with Mike Evans. And I think a big part of this Mike Evans debate is actually what do you believe about Antonio Brown? And I'm a believer. As a matter of fact, I was going to talk about Antonio later, but I think I'm going to go ahead and make this a two-for-one. Mike Evans is going too high, and Antonio Brown is going too low. He may not still be the Antonio Brown of old, but I think AB still got some juice, and I think the Bucks' offense is going to be a three-headed monster as far as the receiving options go. Yes, Mike Evans was the wide receiver 10 last year, but he was also the only member of this trio that played all 16 games. It's not a massive sample size, but the 11 games that they were all on the field, and I extended this through the playoffs to get a larger sample size, the three saw a relatively even number of targets per game. Evans and Godwin saw right around 7, and AB saw 6.7. People are acting like Brown is old and washed, but he walked in off the street after not playing for a year and a half and saw just as many targets as the other two guys. Now don't get me wrong here. I don't have him ranked over Evans or Godwin or anything like that, because while they may see a similar number of targets, AB saw most of his work close to the line of scrimmage. Evans will see the much more valuable deep shots and red zone targets, and Godwin is somewhere in the middle. On top of the target concerns that I have for Evans, he also saw a career high in touchdowns with 13, which, yes, he is an incredible red zone receiver playing with the most efficient quarterback he's ever had, but with the other guys healthy and on the field, you could definitely see that drop by a little bit. So, just to make sure I'm being perfectly clear here, I still think Evans is the top dog here, and we'll see the more valuable targets. This is purely an ADP discussion, not a head-to-head one. As I said earlier, Mike Evans is going as the wide receiver 13, and I have him at 16. Antonio Brown is going as the wide receiver 40, and I have him at 31. The big difference is you're probably taking one of them to be your wide receiver 1 or 2, and the other is a player you'll be able to carry on your bench. I think all three of them will have great games, and I think they'll all three disappear from time to time, and it'll get kind of annoying. Not to mention that the team just signed Giovanni Bernard, O.J. Howard could be back, and Gronk will still be in the mix to some degree. 
I'm not trying to use any of these guys as any sort of major selling point, but every target going to them is one that is not going to the other guys. And this may be a bit narrative-y, and believe what you will, but I also think Tom Brady came into last season with a major chip on his shoulder. I think he wanted to prove that not only could he win a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick, but he could do it with the team on his back. And mission accomplished. Well done, sir. But he's done that now. And I think his focus could go back to purely winning football games, without the ulterior motives. I think there is a non-zero percent chance that the team leans on their stellar defense and decent running game a little bit more than they did last year. Because they are good enough to win them football games. Tom Brady had 610 pass attempts last year. That was second in the NFL behind Matt Ryan. Brady is the GOAT. He's still playing like the GOAT. But at his age, why not keep his arm fresh for the playoffs if you can? I wouldn't project any sort of massive drop-off in passing attempts, but a 44-year-old arm can only take so much, even if it is Tom Brady's. I also do realize that both of those last two points count against AB as well, but that just goes back to ADP. You aren't drafting Antonio Brown to be a superstar, or even a starter for that matter. I'd also like to add, just as a side note, that if one of the trio of wide receivers were to go down to injury, the other two should be studs. So, give me the guy that I can take, like, seven rounds later. The next guy on our list is Tyler Lockett. And I'd like to give a shout-out to the fantasy footballers on this one, because I was actually off of Lockett earlier this offseason, and they definitely helped me to come to my senses wanted to make sure that I gave them their credit. They're a small, independent podcast, and what can I say? I like to help out the little guy. But anyways, if you had Tyler Lockett last year, he very well could have single-handedly dictated whether you won or lost multiple games. His outcomes went from 3 catches for 23 yards to 15 catches for 200 yards and 3 touchdowns. And there wasn't a whole heck of a lot in between. And yes, that was a bit extreme, but wide receivers are streaky. They can be unpredictable at times, and despite the bad taste that Lockett left in all of his fantasy managers' mouths last year, he finishes the wide receiver 9 in half PPR. Unlike Mike Evans, where I'm worried about inconsistency due to target volume, I'm not worried about Lockett's targets at all. He and DK Metcalf are the only two real, true targets on the team. DK is perceived as the team's one, and he probably is, but he's going in the second round of drafts. You want to know who had more targets and just as many touchdowns as DK Metcalf last year? Tyler Lockett. And yet, they are 14 wide receiver spots away from each other in ADP. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I'm buying the narrative that they're going to run the ball more this year, and I'm very much in on Chris Carson. While I do believe that, that doesn't mean the wide receivers are just going to vanish. Targets may go down a little bit, but efficiency could also go up. There's a great blueprint for that in Tennessee, where you have a dominant run game and two main targets on the offense. Now, obviously, there's 
the elephant in the room. And that elephant is Derrick Henry. See what I did there? See, he's massive. And no, I don't think Chris Carson can pull off a Derrick Henry-sized workload and be as successful with it. But all I'm saying is you can have both a dominant run game and dominant receivers, especially when there aren't a lot of other guys soaking up targets. This is still a Russell Wilson-led offense that should be great and put up points. So let's move on to the next receiver. Sometimes you just have to follow your gut. And my gut loves me some Will Fuller. Now, I understand there are a few risks that some may not be willing to make. Will Fuller has been absolutely dominant pretty much each and every time he's been on the field. But that's kind of the problem with Will Fuller. The dude's just not on the field a whole lot. Then there's the quarterback play. He's been playing with Deshaun Watson, who is without a doubt one of the best quarterbacks in football. Fuller is now on the Dolphins without Deshaun Watson and with Tua. He'll miss the first game of the season due to suspension. And can he stay healthy? I don't know. But at his ADP, I am sure willing to find out. He's going as the wide receiver 38, and I've got him as my wide receiver 26. But to be fair, right off the bat, he is actually already injured in camp. And I made this ranking before that. That's not going to help my case. But listen to the rest of it. If he's back on the field and looks good before the season, the ranking stands. If not, we will reevaluate when that time comes. What this really boils down to for me is, do you believe in Tua? And personally, I do. Now, does it affect my decision at all that I was born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama and watched him and his golden arm take the mighty Crimson Tide to a national championship? Maybe. But all jokes aside, and to be fair to myself, I will say that I feel like a lot of the time I'm almost inherently more down on Alabama players than most. Maybe just to combat whatever biases I have hidden deep within myself. But take that for what you will as well, because I am a Bama fan, after all, and cannot be trusted. But here's what I do know. Tua was a rookie quarterback in the NFL last year, which is pretty hard in and of itself. But he was also coming off of a major hip injury, which definitely doesn't help. I think we've been spoiled by some of these incredible rookie quarterback seasons lately that rookies don't typically have. And I think an argument can absolutely be made that for whatever reason, maybe the part where he was a rookie coming off of a hip injury, the play calling was rather conservative. The team kept Tua from having to make too many decisions and take too many hits. He got the ball out quick. Tua really didn't play bad last year either. The team went 6-3 and three with him at quarterback. He just didn't really push the ball down the field. And even when he did, they got dropped more than a few times. Now, could some of this conservative play been due to Tua just chucking it to his first read every time so he didn't get hit? Sure. And this year, we are going to find out. 
The team went out and got a new offensive coordinator who will throw the ball more. And they got two of two field-stretching weapons in Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell. And the reports out of camp so far are also pretty positive on Tua. But if he does come out and is still dinking and dunking all the way down the field, then yeah, it's probably on him. But the whole point here is it's baked into Will Fuller's draft price. At wide receiver 38, maybe he's still the one and it's just not a great offense. Maybe he gets hurt again. Or maybe Tua hits and you've struck gold at a wide receiver late in your draft. The range of outcomes is large, yes. But if you think Tua's got a shot to still be a solid QB in the NFL, I think it's worth it. And that's going to be it for me on this episode, folks. Again... You can find me at the FF Brew Review on Twitter, review spelled R-E-V-U-E. If you have questions for the show or you would like to recommend or send uh, coffee or beer, thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe, tell your friends, leave it a review, and have a great rest of your day. Many years ago, Dr. Anthony Dot was a happy man. He had a beautiful wife beautiful children, an adventurous disposition, and a winning smile. And then, it happened. On a dark and gloomy night, in early January, the very thing that kept him going, his most prized possession, his life's work and purpose for his very existence, was stolen, right out from under his nose. His fantasy title. several years, Dr. Adot, as he was called by his peers, dedicated all of his time and energy into finding out how to build the perfect fantasy lineup. He read every book, tried every draft strategy. Each time he thought he was growing closer, things took a turn for the worst. He seemed destined to fail. Destined to be psycho. But why? He couldn't crack the code. That is, until an unexpected clue fell into his lap. Tune in to the Fantasy Brew Review to follow along with Dr. Adot in his quest to build the perfect lineup and reclaim his fantasy title.